Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that brings you inside NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It's Texans All Access. It's training camp week. NFL teams are in, and there's a lot of news going on. And, Johnny, we've got a lot to get to tonight as practice begins in full on Friday. I got a feeling they're going out there doing some stuff, but it's not the full stuff that we'll see on Friday morning when we're out there live from 8 to 10 a.m. Thank you. Well, I was talking to our buddy Tyler Sutarth, and I just said the one thing that they will be doing, which every player through the end of time will tell you, even if those players are good at it, they will tell you conditioning test, bah, they don't like it. Hate it. Sure. Who would Absolutely like to? Absolutely hate it. I hated conditioning tests and i always did pretty well i was always in good shape there was never really a worry because i went to school in rhode island and i lived in the summers here so i was always fine and i worked my tail off so i was i was always good but it just left so much stress just didn't want any any part of doing a conditioning test in fact i still cringe when i hear the guys going through the hallway or hear the coaches talking about it. i still have i I, uh, I just had these cringe moments of, God, I hated that. So that's what they're doing. They're doing physicals and seeing who's ready to go. And my guess is by Friday there will be, and hopefully it's not a long list, but I would imagine we'll find out if anybody is going on the training camp PUP, which is nothing really to panic about. We've seen guys go on a PUP for three days, and then they're fine. Right. They, they get out for the first day of pads, and they're ready to go. But we'll find out all that information over the next few days, we'll never find out who passed the conditioning test. We just know that they're really, really awful and well, not fun. Bill O'Brien used to talk about it. Everybody yeah. passed the conditioning test or 99%, whatever the number would be. Yeah. But it was usually everybody passing mm-hmm. the conditioning test. And PUP is often guys who wouldn't even participate in the conditioning test right. because you don't want to risk injury or whatever the case may be. Uh, but they're about to start slinging it. And a lot of teams are out there doing work, like the Jaguars. We'll get to them. You know I'm not going to leave them out. The Titans talked today. Jerry Jones talked today. Don't want to forget about him, Johnny. Oh, yeah, Jerry talked. I want to ask you this, and maybe it's not as simple an answer as some might think, but what is the biggest story for the Houston Texans going into training camp? As they launch practice Friday, Saturday, and Saturday's get back together. Back together Saturday with the Battle Red Helmet. It's going to be awesome. But what is the biggest story in your mind and in the people's mind, really, the collective mindset? National or local? I'm going to say local. I'm going to say local. Because national, I get it where you're going with this. Yeah, Davis Mills. Nationally, it would be Davis Mills. Right. I think locally, it's going to be more so the young players. It's going to be Jalen. It's going to be Sting. It's going to be Kenyon Green. I think it's going to be the young players. As a group, you know, Nick would actually like that. He would be in favor. Nick Casario would be in favor of that being the big story. Now, he knows that rookies shouldn't get all the attention or too much attention, but he would like that it's sort of a collective as opposed to Mm -hmm. one person. Uh, But I think that... All right, so you're going to say the young guys are going to draw a lot of attention. Everybody wants to see Petrie. They want to see if Sting Lee can be out there early enough. Yes. How he's doing, how he's looking early on without pads because they're not going to be in pads right away. And I would say that other than Mills, I think Mills might be it locally too, Mm -hmm. the biggest story. But it's got to be the running game, I think. I think, and maybe it's not the the first couple of days that really you're not going to see much of the running game yeah. because it won't be in pads. Now, once the pads go on, now, you know me. I mean, OTAs, what was I watching your OTAs in minicamp? I was not watching the offensive defensive line. Yeah. So it won't be much change. And I, I like watching with and without pads. I just like watching the big fellas 
fun. I, I like doing it. And I'll watch them the first few days until they get into pads at that point. But once they put the pads on, you're right. It, it's all about that. Yeah, you want to see how they look in the running game. But I think it's still an overhanging big story even now as we speak because I believe that if that goes well, if that improves a lot, Mills is automatically going to improve with that. You know, he played pretty well last year without a running game except for the Charger game. Uh, They were committed to running the ball against the Jaguars, but still the yardage total wasn't that high. I believe that it's – and maybe biggest story isn't the right way to put it. It's probably – Look, it feels like nothing's more important than Mills playing well, but I just don't feel like he can make that jump without the running game making the jump from 32nd to at least 20th or something. I can't pick a number right now, but you get my drift. Well, apparently it's important because Larry Tunsil just tweeted the other day, running game. He just tweeted running game. So, I mean, he's telling us what's what's hugely important. I think my question as it pertains to the running game, and this is the the tricky one because – I've been people have asked me this. How will you know if the running game is improved? You won't. And I think it's I think it's a great question. And I don't know that you will, even through the preseason games, nope. I don't know that you'll be able to see that. But there are some things you can see in practice and you can start to see, oh man, this is something they ran last year and it's not it wasn't successful last year, but now they're running it this year. And I'm not talking about just a run play, but mm-hmm. any any play, but Run play in particular, they're doing something a little bit different. Boy, they look more physical up front. Some of those things you might be able to discern through the first, you know, the first couple weeks of practice, but you're not going to get much in the preseason games in the way of that. Uh, you're going to see the offensive line for not a ton of snaps together. I wish that we could see this group in particular in some joint practices. I that would yeah. be something when well, we haven't done it for a few years. Obviously, they didn't do it in a COVID year, but we did it in Green Bay in 2019. And not only was it fun for us, but I felt like it was hugely beneficial. I love those joint practices because you don't have to use those guys then in the preseason games. Mm. You can play them, a, you know, play them a series or two, then get them out. You've got enough time. I mean, that's what the Packers did. They had about 35 guys that night, and they were all in shorts and t-shirts. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he dressed up that night with shorts and T-shirt comparatively to how he showed up at camp uh, today uh, in the Nicholas Cage. Well, I got a push notification on my phone. It said Aaron Rodgers shows up in full con air mode. He did. Have you not seen it? I haven't seen the picture yet. Oh, it's glorious. I was laughing just looking at the push notification. It was glorious. And I was doing a bunch of other things today. Look, (laughs) it it was glorious. a little hectic for us leading into this. We have a lot of stuff to prepare for. Got preseason TV broadcasts I'm helping out with and all this other stuff. So I haven't been able to click on everything. I know, but you should. You should I will. take a second. I will, but I enjoyed the moment anyway through the push notification. The, the, the push notification is awesome because when you get them, you're like, ooh, what happened? Somebody get traded? What happened? This guy uh, is going to retire, which there is some news in Seattle about a running back retiring. Oh, no, he just showed up in, you know, in a tank top and jeans like Nicolas Cage. Before, That's all it was. B- before we get to some other goings-on around the league that do pertain to the Texans because they're opponents or AFC South or whatever – a reminder that the Toro bobblehead is available while supplies last at your local Xfinity store, right? I saw this. I saw Toro on Instagram giving them away. I was really upset. I'm going to find Toro because I want one. Yeah. I don't have any bobbleheads. I feel 
sort of out of the loop. I want a bobblehead. I want a Toro bobblehead. Toro, make that happen. You just I guess go I need to go to Xfinity. I yeah. guess I could do that. I like go the pay Xfinity my bill store. And go pick one up. Because, like, we wear out remotes. You know? Yeah. I don't lose them. I wear them out. <laughs> and <laughs> I need new ones sometimes. I, I, go to the I used store. to wear them out, but it really wasn't because I wore them out. It's because I threw them. But that's oh, a different no. story altogether. They take a licking and keep on ticking. Not the Xfinity ones. More more the cowboy clicker sort of things. Oh, yeah. You know, back when I was coaching. So I, was I, got I don't you. lose my temper anymore. I got you. Uh, AFC South, quickly here. And we'll get back to Texan stuff. We're not going around the league just yet full. Well, actually, whatever. It's training camp week. Everybody's open virtually. Yeah. Why are we so late, by the way? Well, we plan a Saturday. So the teams that are playing earlier, a lot of teams will open up on Thursday night, right? Thursday yeah, yeah. night in a couple of weeks, yeah, they'll open sense. up. Okay. So they get to practice earlier. Gotcha, yeah. We're opening on a Saturday, the 13th, right. at home against the New Orleans Saints, state mm-hmm. of football game. And that's going to be a different deal. So you start practice a little bit later. Once the Texans play, though, it's going to go by very fast because you go Saturday, then Friday at mm-hmm. L.A., and then Thursday, Thursday against the 49ers, and it's done. done. And it's done. And you have a full two weeks plus mm-hmm. before you play the Colts on opening day. Now, speaking of the Colts, I find it interesting, mm-hmm. and I read a funny article, and I say funny because they were doing Colts position battles, and it's like, oh, number three running back, <laughs> number five we cornerback, used, we darling. We used to be that way. I mean, really? We're getting there. We're going to go back to that. We're going to go back to that. Where. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what kind of soda we should serve. Well, obviously Coca-Cola, but which one? Yeah. Which one should? Uh, they have the most ridiculous position battles, although there's one very serious one, left tackle, oh, yeah. which could be important for them. And what I find notable is that the Colts and Titans have the sort of opposite thing going on. Colts have some uncertainty at left tackle and right guard. Mm-hmm. The Titans have uncertainty at right tackle and left guard. If you put those two squads together, you get a hell of a team here, Johnny. But what about the oh. Colts' left tackle situation? If you have two uncertain situations on the O-line with 37-year-old Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. I know they run the ball so well, and those guys love firing off those big yep. guys up front. So that should go well enough for them. But you never know. That line just got a little dented over the offseason. Well, I think that started showing the, the, the cracks in the armor late in the season. And I, and down in Jacksonville, Jacksonville was able to get some heat on Carson Wentz in that game. And obviously Carson didn't play all that well. But the offensive line started so, showing some cracks in the armor because they've got to not throw the ball. they got to throw the ball to come from behind against the Raiders and they weren't able to do that, lost that game, and then the Jags, they were completely out of it, so they had to throw it the whole entire time. And Wentz was running for his life. So I think those uh, – look, I, everybody knows I love Quentin Nelson. He was number one in the Harris 100 coming out in 2018. I think he's the best guard in the league. Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, take your pick. Both went Notre Dame. I think Ryan Kelly went healthy, one of the top five centers in the league, if not top three. But after that, Braden Smith has done pretty well at right tackle, but those two positions, Glowinski, I don't think, ever got the credit playing right guard that he deserved. He was the right fit. He was like Mike Brizel. Mm. You put him in at right guard, and you think, well, we'll see what happens. You know, he's kind of the, of the five guys, he's the guy that's not a top first or second round draft pick. But then you look up, and you're, this guy's got the best grades. This guy's playing as well as anybody on an offensive line, and it fits. Well, Glowinski's not there. He's with the Giants now. And then you've got Costanza. They still they went with Eric Fisher last year. Never fit. So I think that's going to end up being an issue for them. Now, is it going to cost 
Jonathan Taylor 500, 600 yards in the run game? No, I don't think that. But I do think it could hurt, like you said, with a 37-year-old, not-so-mobile quarterback with Matt Ryan behind him. I think it becomes a bigger issue in Tennessee because Derrick Henry's coming off a year in which he was injured. Taylor Luan's play started to subside. And by the way, there's a little news there, too. Taylor Luan not going to be on social media during the season. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. So he said that I'll today. I'll believe that. Total, total, complete total it. focus. But I think Taylor Luan's game has dipped a little bit. I think that Ben Jones, now up in years, Ben's what? This is year 10 for Ben in the league? Or oh, my gosh. He's drafted in 2012, right? Yeah. So it's year 11. Year 11. So long in a tooth. I mean, he still can play, but long in a tooth. Nate Davis, I think, is a really good right guard, but still, he's only third year, I believe, at this point. So maybe fourth year, but still, he's a guy that hasn't gotten all the way there yet. And David Quesenberry did a nice job for them in right tackle, but they felt like they could do better. So there really is an issue. Is it Dylan Radon's? Is that where they put it right tackle? Do they go somewhere else um, at right tackle? What do they do at guard with Roger Saffold? Saffold was a lot better than I thought he was going to be going to the Titans, but then he leaves and goes to Buffalo. So you've got two big spots open, really, for both teams. And you've got to be able to exploit it if you're the Texans. You have to. You have to from an interior perspective, be able to exploit those those positions. And if you are, maybe you get them out of their run-heavy attacks. Hey, they're really they're really hurting us. They've taken a lead. They've slowed us down. Now we got to throw the ball a little bit, and maybe that plays right into your hands. So hopefully that's what's going to end up happening at some point. But I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off just yet. But there is going to be a drop-off for both of them because of those issues. It feels like yesterday when the Titans had Jonu Smith and A.J. Brown, mm -hmm. and it just looked like the future was going to be so bright for them right. in the pass-catching department. And not just guys who can go out and catch passes. It's yak, and it's yard after not only catch, but contact. Those guys yes. are physical, brute force players. Yep. And now they don't have either of them. So Traylon Burks getting a lot of attention as a rookie yes. because he's going to get all the focus now that they traded A.J. Brown. How do you think that's going to go with them in the receiver slash pass catching department in general because you have to factor the tight ends in, in there and maybe backs to a certain extent? I know they get the ball to Henry outside from time to time. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that team is going to try my guess is they're going to try and hammer even more than they have because they've got Derrick Henry. Jeez. They've got Hassan Haskins. Why not just try and blunt trauma your way into wins? <laughs> Why not take the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands, try and keep him from making a ton of mistakes and then let Traylon Burks kind of let his game improve as the year goes on. And then maybe like AJ Brown, he starts to get more involved in the second half of his rookie year. And Oh boy, here you go. But they went and they added Bobby Trees, a.k.a. Robert Woods. Bobby and that was his nickname. I think it's the greatest nickname. I like that. Bobby Trees. It should be his rap name. He, I think, is going to be vital for that offense because with that offense, you think, all right, we don't want Henry to kill us, so we're going to use an extra guy in the box. We're going to try and eliminate all gaps in the run game. And at that point, the default is, okay, we're an NFL offense. We're going to throw the ball. Well, they could always go to A.J. Brown. They could always. You put the ball in the belly of Derrick Henry – everybody is going to tackle Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown was going to be one-on-one. -on -one. He was going to win those battles. Can Robert Woods win those battles coming off an ACL tear? Can Traylon Burks win those battles coming in as a rookie? Is Nick Westbrook-Akina going to end up being like the next Adam Thielen, where for the last couple of years we look up in a game and go, dang it, 
Westbrook Akini's killing us. Does he become a guy that catches 80 to 85 passes this year? That's what the Titans have to hope to find balance in their offense. If one of those three guys doesn't step up, they don't have the tight end anymore. They don't have Janu, which what did they do in 2019 against us? What they do? They didn't get the ball to Janu, and they were down a little bit, and they were like, we got to get the ball to 81. What they do? Remember what they did? What they do? They tossed Screen. it to him. They ran a toss play with him oh, out of the back. Oh, Remember, he <laughs> took off on a toss play, like 61 yards, and it got him back in the game. That's really what kind of got him going. Well, they don't, they don't have that anymore. They don't have John R. Smith to be able to do that. They don't have A.J. Brown that can flip a screen out and let him just run over somebody. They don't have the Derrick Henry on the perimeter, as you would, from those two running pass catchers, if you will. Mm-hmm. So without that, one of those three is going to have to step up and be that guy that demands double teams and does that kind of thing. If they're not stepping up, you devote an extra extra guy to the box, an extra guy to the run game, make sure your gaps are taken care of, and then you're going against the offensive line that's not as good as it's been the last couple of years, and then you shut down the Titans. That's kind of the hope. Let's shut them down. Split yeah, with them last year, had a good chance to beat them in the final week of the season, didn't get it done. Uh, back to the Colts in a moment here. Jaguars, reportedly Trevor Lawrence, 100% completion rate today in practice, Johnny. I want to know what kind of practice they were running. There's no way they were going full 11 on 11 and he went 100% completion. I'm sorry. If they did, they were throwing screens or whatever. There's no way he threw deep balls and medium range. This is early on. This is not a real deal practice just yet. And obviously it wasn't in pads. Well, unless Davis Mills does exactly that, then I'll be (laughs) touting it as the best practice in the history of pro football. I can't remember where I saw this. And I, I, I've got to try and find this tweet because it I, I laughed uproariously at this particular tweet. And it was from somebody I follow in Jacksonville. And it was a uh, it was a retweet of somebody else. Oh, here it is. <laughs> this is from Sam at More Life One. It just said hashtag Jags media and preseason form with hope trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was absolutely oh, brilliant when I saw it because that's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to drum up the hope, and you don't I don't blame, blame them. them. I don't no, blame them no, at all. Look, this is the time of year you have to be hopeful. What yes. else do you have to live for if yes. not hope, right? Yes. So in fairness to them, enjoy it. It's camp. And remember, the Jags had the greatest highlight in training camp history last year. Do you remember what this was? Was that the uh, – Trevor, it, it was Trevor Lawrence with crash test dummies or whatever those things are. Those uh-huh. those tackling dummies yeah, approaching yeah. him. Those robotic dummies. Right. Or were people holding them and like rushing into the backfield to create e- yeah, this artificial way. pass rush? He releases the football in the corner of the end zone, and Tim Tebow oh, gets under it last. for a huge TD <laughs> catch against no defense, and the internet blew up. It was bigger than Kardashian doing whatever. So it was. Fantastic stuff. The greatest highlight in training camp history. What was what was bigger? Bigger highlight Tebow catching that ball or bigger low light Tebow trying to block a Cleveland Browns defensive oh, lineman gosh. and failing badly? Oh, my gosh. I You know what? People pe- lost their mind either way. Tebow's polarizing. Let's no doubt. And no I like doubt. I like Tebow, Johnny. I, I don't too. fault him for wanting to play tight end and yeah. give a shot to Why pro not? football again. Why not? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a long time ago right. where he won a 
He actually won a playoff game, boys and girls, and he made a nice throw to do it. And he beat the Steelers to do it. Beat the Steelers in Denver. Demarius Thomas, look, I know. And that year was a magical year for Tebow. I was actually rooting for him Mm -hmm. because he's winning all these games and pulling the rabbit out of the hat every week and whatever he did to get to the postseason in the first place. I hated it. I got to say that beating the Texans in 2010 might be his high watermark throwing because he threw for over 300 yards in that game. Oh, boy. How about that defense? Tebow shredded you for three bills and he was, plus. He was going over the sidelines saying, nobody runs it here but me. I mean, he was calling his shot and everything. And oh, by the way, you do know where the Jacksonville Jaguars are holding their training camp. Oh, at your old school, mm-hmm. Episcopal. Episcopal High School. Yeah, Episcopal School How would that be for you now if they were doing that? When does Episcopal start practice? It's got to be fairly soon. No, it's, it's later. It usually, well, it's usually the beginning of August. So well, I would say the first here. But here's here's the thing about about Episcopal. They bought property. I've never been to this property. They bought it down the street, maybe like a quarter mile for practice and cleared it all out and built two NFL-sized football fields and it's gorgeous. It's right by their their uh their crew boathouse. Oh, so nice. they just go over the Hart Bridge at Green Bridge and they duck in there. So you Episcopal won't even they won't even cross over. But, but they've had plenty of people over there. My buddy's been taking pictures and sending me but stuff. But why are the Jags training there when they because live they're redoing so their practice fields? Oh, that's they're redoing it. Okay. all that practice field. Shot's putting a lot of money apparently into the new practice fields, and I think they're getting a new uh, indoor facility, I believe. And so they were looking. They've practiced before at Episcopal, and when I was there, way, way, way back in the day, this tells you how old, old it, how long ago it was. Carnell Lake, remember Carnell Lake mm-hmm. played safety. He came over to work out. Tony Baselli came over to work out, and they would call me, and they were like, hey, can you let us in to work out? Absolutely. So I met a lot of the Jaguars just from them working out on our track. Carnell Lake's son, Quentin Lake, is now in the NFL. I can't remember where he ended up. He signed a contract as an undrafted free agent, but he, he's a rookie in the NFL. I'm like, man, I've gotten old. There's a lot of that quickly. going around. Baseball yes. draft anyone yes. last week? Oh, my gosh. Wait till Marvin Harrison Jr. plays for no. the Colts in no. 2025. No, I just got through with the father. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Could you imagine? The, uh, oh, no, I'm going to make you throw up. What if? Just go with me on this. Mm. What if Marvin Harrison Jr. becomes a first-round pick of the Colts in 2025? But they tank because Matt Ryan no. finally goes out and Arch Manning comes after no. three years at Texas. And it's Arch Manning to Marvin Harrison Jr. I can't. Luckiest team in the history of <laughs> professional football. A lot of I things are would, happening. No, forget it. I would be out. I'm like, come on. A lot of historic things in pro football are happening on this program tonight. Uh, other things going on. All right, so we mentioned the Trevor Lawrence 100% deal today. That was uh, cool for him. Yeah, good. Yeah. Rock on. Texans, obviously, two games against Jacksonville, but they open against the Colts, Johnny. And I know that we just mentioned the O-line situation there. I'm very curious about this team and this division. Well, of course we are. We always are. But it feels like the Titans can be had based on some of the things you yes, just said so. earlier in this segment. I'm wondering if the Colts are really up for the job, though. But you have to wonder, the Texans and the Jags, can one of these teams rise up and potentially challenge and what's it going to take to happen to the Titans and the Colts in order for that to happen. Not only the Texans and or Jags playing so much better, but they're going to have to take some hits, some injuries or something to bring them down a little bit, even though you did split with Tennessee last year. Yeah. Didn't face Derrick Henry in either one of those games. And if Henry comes back healthy, look, the Tennessee identity has been, it's going to be Derrick Henry, but could there be a complete falling out offensively? Sure. Absolutely. Ryan Tannehill, 
has not been able to get rid of the that game against the Bengals. Every rep Willis gets in practice is going to be scrutinized. Absolutely. And if he does well, if he looks pretty good, wait for and that. You can you create just any any slice of doubt for Tannehill helps the Colts, the Texans, and the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Any any doubt. But once Willis takes over, what scares me about that is as a rookie, and we we've, we've seen it here with a dynamic rookie quarterback. If things go wrong, run. Just run. And he's unbelievable as a runner. I mean, really, really good as a runner. And so that that would scare me. Now, will he throw you one every now and again? Sure. Will he not see you know a trap corner? Sure. He'll throw you one. But when he pulls it down and runs, oh, wow. That's going to be tough. Here's the one thing, again, that could work against the Colts, and that's injuries. We know that Shaquille won't be back to start the year. May start the year. He had that back injury, and so maybe there's a thought that he'll be there. You know, Shaquille Leonard, you know, the linebacker for yeah, the Yeah, why do you call him Shaquille? Yeah, he changed his name today. Growing up, apparently, he went by his middle name, Shaquille. He was Shaquille Leonard. Then somewhere along the line, it got changed to Darius, and now five years into his NFL career, he wants to be Shaquille Leonard again. But Styles White called and said, that's right. strange. Well, there but you go. Okay, if that's so, what he wants to do, that's fine. So two years ago, the Colts linebackers were Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki. And now it's Shaquille Leonard and Bobby Okereke. So, you know, things change. <laughs> things change. You know, it's the way it goes. But if Leonard is not 100% healthy to start the year, and we catch them, and he's not 100% healthy, even though he's back, I mean, that's... That's got to work in your favor, and you got to think those things do work in your favor. They lost Kari Willis, who was a starting safety, yep. who decided to retire and go into the ministry. You got that. Maybe Stephon Gilmore doesn't have all that left, all that much gas left. Keep forgetting about Gilmore. Maybe that helps you a little bit too. But that is a really, it's just a really talented team that you got to try and block up. And man, that means DeForest Buckner. That means Grover Stewart. That means Cody Pay on the outside. So your offensive line going into that game to give them to give that offensive line a fair fight. That's the day if you're going to be balanced, where you can hit them with the run game and then counter with play action. That's the day you have to be able to do it. That's the only way you keep that that defensive line from just pinning its ears back and going all over Davis Mills. All right, next up, more on training camps around the NFL stuff going on today. Jimmy Garoppolo in the news. We never reacted to Kyler Murray because that news came out right after our show yesterday. But, gosh, you know we have something to say about that. Plus, Better Call Saul used a 70s icon last night to help out the show. We're not going to spoil anything, but they did. We'll share who that was. And you have to give me a 70s icon that you want on this team. All right? A player, a non-quarterback or running back 70s iconic player to join the Houston Texans. Give it to me next, among other things, here on Texans Radio. Keeping your company Tuesday, drive home or wherever you're driving to or wherever you're listening. If it's on a podcast kind of thing later, like walking the dog like I do, because I walk the dog at night. I walk young Pippa, who's not that young anymore, and I mm-hmm. listen to podcasts. That's what I do, right? Of course you're going to do that. That's what you should do. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you, because yeah. I've seen this pop up on, on Twitter a few times. When you listen to the podcast, do you listen at normal speed or do you double it or oh, no, double normal. it or listen at normal. like one and a half speed? I'm, listen, that I get doing that. I want to get more more information in. But if somebody's going to be listening to me like this, I don't want that. Uh, you know what I mean? Please listen at normal speed. I talk fast enough, I think. I've talked to younger people that do that, and I'm, I am I tried it. I'm, I can't do it. I get it for I a book or whatever, but it doesn't sound right anyway. 
And look, I listen the podcasts I listen to are Smart List with you know Jason Bateman and friends, and yep. I listen to Fly on the Wall with um, Dana Carvey and David Spade. So mm-hmm. you get the idea here. And right. I want to hear those guys. Right. I want to hear what they're like. Yeah. By the way, the Fly on the Wall with Jimmy Fallon is outstanding. So listen to it at midnight, okay? After the <laughs> day's programming is over on Sports yes. Radio six ten and Texans Radio and all that. Johnny, last night, Better Call Saul used Carol Burnett on the show as a guest star. That's awesome. And she was great. She was great. It's not a variety show, believe me. It's Better Call Saul. So I won't spoil anything that happened during the program, but give me a 70s iconic player that you would want on the Texans, non-quarterback or running back. They used Carol Burnett, who's one of the greatest TV performers ever. I'm sorry. I used to watch her show on Saturday nights with my mom, and the show doesn't really hold up that well, but you got to give her all the credit in the world. It was a variety show, did it in front of an audience, and she was awesome. Anyway, what do you got? Well, you said going into the segment, no quarterback, which no I was quarterback. okay with. But then you just said no quarterback, no running back. No running back. Automatically, you'd think, well, Earl Campbell. That would, right. that would, without question. Who's the second? Is he the best running back of the 70s? Would the Buffalo people have an argument there? Or yeah. would they like to stay away from it, considering some of the legal? They probably issues. would stay away from it at this point. Yeah. But from a football standpoint, the, when the juice got loose, I mean, I was about to say something <laughs> really, really <laughs> bad things happen. It's hard. It's I hard know. not to make a I joke. Know. But he he was he was ridiculously good. I mean, the other side, Walter Payton would be the other one, right? I think if you went now, Steelers fans would be like Franco. I, I no. never got no. the, the Franco thing. Like He's know. great. It's not that you're saying he's terrible me. or he's yeah. bad. He was a great part of a great team. But, look, he's going to be way further down on that list. That's why Jim Brown was losing his mind when Franco was threatening his record. He yeah. couldn't take it. Yeah, Thought it was going to be a terrible thing. Walter Payton he was okay with. So I'm going to – I'll stick – speaking of icon mm-hmm. – I'm going to go, even though this defensive line has 8,000 players on it. Right. I feel like the one player that I would love to have from the 70s became iconic also for a commercial, but he was one of the great defensive linemen of all time, if not one top three, mm-hmm. is Mean Joe Green. You put Mean Joe yeah. in Lovey's defense, and you could play him over the nose, or you could play him at the three, you could play him at either. But just the attitude he brought to, I'm not. I'm not saying this this team has plenty of leaders and they do it their own particular way. But Mean Joe Green was a bad, bad man. Yeah. And his teammates knew it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something in playing with a guy like that, that that's your guy, where you're like, yeah, you're not going to mess with us because he's with us. You, you yeah. won't mess with us. And you kind of fall in line. You talk all the trash and you feel great about it, but he's the guy they're really scared of. And I think Mean Joe Green... Would have been that guy for this defensive line for sure. It's funny because that John McClain's thing at the improv last yeah. month, it was great. He was and there, wasn't he? Pastor, yeah, he was there. And it's amazing. That was an amazing thing about that night where you have mean Joe Green in the room yeah. and you have a lot of former Oilers. You know, yeah. you have Ken Houston in the room. You have Hall of Famers yeah. dotting the room. Pastorini's up there at the podium. Somebody says something. It was like a little heckle, but with love or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, stop it. Mean Joe Green's over there, and he's a friend of mine now. <laughs> I thought that was great. I mean, just rolled that right out. Yeah. Pastorini's awesome. That's good. And just to think that those two guys, yeah. I mean, Pastorini faced that steel curtain. Yeah. Uh, is it pandering if I say Robert Brazil? You know, I'd love to add him on this team. But I think I mean, that 
It based was pandering, on, but that's okay. It, would, it makes sense. Based on what they just went through, though, with Mechie, mm-hmm. I would say Lynn Swan. Give me some Lynn Swan on this team, and or Stallworth. But uh, that would come in handy. Because Swan in today's NFL is going to catch ooh, a lot of passes. Ooh. All right? Yeah. Those guys had to deal with... Going across the middle, I know you just it's did, a cliche you thing. You didn't want to do you it. Didn't. Now, who's ever afraid to go go across the middle? You might get popped, but you know they're going to get flagged, so they're thinking twice about it before they hit you that hard. It growing up, you just didn't go across the middle. Even by the time you got to, you know, in the 80s for me, like in high, you just didn't go across the middle. It was a badge of honor for you to go across the middle and live to tell about it. Yeah. I, I mean, in Lynn Swan his game, you're right. His game was made for now. He was acrobatic. He had tremendous hands. I mean, he he would have been made for this for this game now. But he was he was tough. Now yeah. he went across the middle. And all these hits that you see in the NFL now, I should say all of them. But there are a certain number of hits that you see and you go, oh, that's oh man, that's illegal. He hit him right in the head. Oh, yeah. he hit him. Oh man, that that was ugly. That's 15 yards. Throw that guy out of the game. That was all legal. Yeah, all of that was it's like legal. watching old NBA highlights where they're just clotheslining <laughs> each other, and you're thinking oh, they'd be at like half a season now. Nineties basketball, yeah, nineties basketball was just it. Oh, it or was Celtics just a brawl. Pistons, you know that kind of stuff. It's just awesome to watch. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. Okay, where else are we going? Well, I have to react to the Kyler Murray stuff. Okay, go ahead. It's I want to hear what you have to say. <sighs> Look. I get it. It's a bad look, maybe for everybody. The fact that they felt like they had to put that in there speaks mm-hmm. volumes. The yes. fact that he told the New York Times, is that who he told? Yeah. The New York Times, that he didn't feel like he needed to do as much. I'm paraphrasing here. Right. How can you say that in this league when you have not won a playoff game? You cannot say that. You can't say that. I'm sorry. And the kid is immensely talented. Mm-hmm. He's got all the tools. You know, you can criticize. Is he the prototype? That you really need size-wise. Look, he's got all the tools. He's got the tools to be even more successful. And you can't wing it at that position. No, not at this level. From time to time, you'll get away with something, and when things break down, that's when you want to wing it. That's when those improvisational skills come in handy. But you've got to run an offense. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to where you want to go, and that's the championship level. There's no doubt. And this came straight from the horse's mouth. This came from Michael Vick. Watching a documentary on Vic, and I, I think it was a football life. It was maybe 2018, 2019, NFL Films did one on him, and it was it was really interesting. And one of the things that he talked about was he never, before he went to jail, he never read the game plan, never read the playbook. He would, he would on an off day, fly to Virginia, be with his friends, come back to Atlanta, just run things in practice, first one out the door. Mm-hmm. He, he admitted, he was like, my talent was only going to take me so far. That's and incredible. That eventually, he sees that. the NFL caught up to me, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And then that's when he started flipping off the crowd. He was completing under fifty nine percent of his passes. They were catching up to him, and he wasn't doing the things that it took to improve his game. I he wasn't. He didn't even know he was facing. He didn't know what they were. He would see things in team meetings, and that was really what he said. Oh, that's all he knew. That's where Kyler Murray is. Kyler is not the athlete Michael Vick is, but he's got those type athletic skills. If if he were Michael Vick's size, you'd have to outlaw him. But what strikes me in the first three years, I don't think Kyler Murray's gotten any better. That just strikes me. It doesn't look like he's gotten any better. 
and there's really no improvement. He's been good because he's athletically gifted beyond anybody else in the field. And, oh, by the way, he's had DeAndre Hopkins to throw to and Rondell Moore and A.J. Green Hopkins and all that. Hopkins is a quarterback's best friend. Yes. And so Kyler Murray can roll right, avoid all these you know big, obese defensive linemen, and then eventually just launch one down the field. And that's what he's been able to do. But if he were studying the game plan and knowing some of the ins and outs of things – there's no telling what what he would be what he would be able to do. Brett Favre was like that early in his career too, but Brett learned and it came at about this that that epiphany came at about the same time he went to rehab for the painkillers. He kind of had the epiphany of you know what well, I better start studying a little bit. They're catching up to me. I need to start doing it and spending more time learning the game. And his dad was a coach. That's the thing. Kevin Murray's been around sports and athletics a long time. His dad. Yeah. Oh, Kyler's okay. dad, Kevin. Okay. And Kevin has driven a lot of what's happened in Kyler's career. A lot. Yeah, but you can lead the horse to water. It doesn't necessarily happen, right? But Wait, you got to create a habit which at some point. Which is worse, the fact that they put it in or they only put in four hours? <laughs> I don't, because I think well, you need more than that. Both of those are bad, but also, how did it get out? I Well, I don't know. That's a good question. How did it get out? Did somebody and from the organization wanted it out? Because these contracts are not released to the public. Correct. It's not like they're on file downtown. Correct. That was my question. I, I talked about it a little bit last night um, at the very end of the show. But that was my thing. Like, it, 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 it's there's no way you can put a positive spin on it. And I, I tried. I'm like, I don't know. Well, at least they put it in there because they felt like they had to. But the fact that they felt like they had right. to, and they gave them all that money and everything. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. If you're a Cardinals fan, you have to be sick to your stomach with that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, you tell me how it's going to work in New England because Bill Belichick's not telling me. He's not telling anybody anything about how they're going to handle the offense this year. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he will not go away. Will he go anywhere? It's coming up here on Texans Radio. All right, wrapping it up with a final segment here, Texans All Access tonight. Johnny, Bill Belichick will not announce who's calling plays. Is (gasps) this, I know, hardly a surprise. Why, though? Why are people so secretive? Is it because they just resent the media writing about it, no pining and everything, and he just wants to keep it close to the vest? Or is it really for security measures, security reasons? I don't want the Buffalo Bills to know that Patricia's calling a play or I'm calling a play because that gives them an advantage, does it really? It can. If a play caller has certain tendencies, like if you're going into if you're going into a game and you know who the play caller is. Like in preparing for the Texans this year, just using them as an example, Pep was not the offensive coordinator last year. He was here. Mm-hmm. But how are you going to prepare for the Texans at that point? What are you what are you going to do? Are you going to look at last year's film? Because scheme-wise, it's going to be different. So you want to get a read on the players. So you'll watch last year's film to get a read on the players. But then what are you going to do? You're going to go find, okay, where was Pep last call in plays? Well, he's last call in plays in the XFL. You're going to go get the XFL team. Take. Yeah, you are. You're going to go right. get when was he off the quarter? You're going to go get those things. So the Patriots are going to run what the Patriots run. It's just a matter of how, how Patricia is going to call them and how he gets in a rhythm of calling those particular plays, what he likes, all that. You won't find that you out. You think he's doing season. it? What's your prediction? Here? Yeah, it's, it's Patricia. Patricia is going to be, I think he's going to call the plays. Keep in mind, he's going to drive Belichick nuts. Oh, Belichick's going to be. He probably already has. But remember, in 2009, who called plays in 2009 for the Patriots? Do you remember? Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was mm-hmm. he the offensive coordinator? No, no, right. he did not have that title. So there are two things that there are two things that happen here. Number one, because he's not the coordinator, 
He gets to get his full contract, Patricia does, from the Detroit Lions, as does Joe Judge from the New York Giants. And secondly, required coordinator calls don't have to show up. You're not the coordinator. During the week, you have to meet with the media, but you don't have That's to do it. it. You just nailed it. That's exactly what it is. Boom. Does not have to put the assistants yeah, out there it. in front of the media. Mm-hmm. He wants have to have one voice, mm-hmm. and that's why that's a lot of dream. people who associate with the Patriots and go somewhere else like that one voice thing. And I mm-hmm. get that, too. I understand that. You know, if somebody's studying my flag football play-calling tendencies mm-hmm. with the nine-year-olds, they're going to see very clearly, if they study it, my play calling is this. Throw it to the fast kid or throw it to the kid who's matched up against the slowest kid from the other team. Yeah. It's pretty simple for me, Johnny. Yeah, it's easy. I think I just gave away my entire playbook right there. Okay. All right, Garoppolo, is he going to leave San Francisco or yes. not? Yes, Trey Lance is the guy. They said it today by they, I mean Kyle Shanahan. Well, what are they going to do, Lynch. cut him? They have no trade partner. Well, that's the thing. It's going to happen. That's the thing. They they said today, and I appreciate them being 100% honest, and they may not get anything for him. I well, don't know what the, how much they were going to get for him anyways. But now at this point, if you can just wait it out for however long, let him pass his physical in San Francisco to show that he can do it and that he's fine, just wait it out. The market's dead anyway, so this is good from an internal football standpoint. Who signs him when he's released? He gets released. Seattle? Oh, I think Seattle would be the team of need. Yeah. When you have Geno Smith... And Drew Locke. Now, weren't those guys rated below Davis Mills in that Mike Sando athletic yes. article, which yes. is the gospel, of course. I mean, let what me, could be more accurate than that? Let me give you a spot where there would be all kinds of drama. Not here, please. No, 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 not where? here. Where? The Washington Commanders. Ooh, with Wentz? That's interesting. Now, they drafted Sam Howell, but Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and backs up Wentz. You talk about Crater. Well, let me give you another place. New Orleans. That would make sense. I mean, to compete or be ready just in case or whatever. I mean, I think that's a reasonable location. Saints players this week have been all behind Jameis Winston, which is all well and good until Jameis throws three touchdowns, three interceptions every game. Not that that Garoppolo is going to be perfect either, right? No, but he's not going to turn the ball over as much, I don't think. Yeah. As Jameis possibly can. We've seen Jameis. You see it in almost every game. I mean, against us in 19, what do you have, three touchdowns and four interceptions? I mean, that, that's a Jameis game. I mean, you just that's what you get. At least it's not going to be as exciting with Jimmy there, but you got a feeling he's probably not going to turn over as much. It's a pretty good Jameis team. Would. So, it's a pretty good team that can contend in that. Dip. Well, Brady. And Brady has Julio Jones. Thoughts? <laughs> Here's my, my honest thought is who cares? Who's better right now, A.J. Green or Julio Jones? A.J. Green right, is, AJ Green right now is. Yeah. Julio's, I mean, we saw it. We saw it that last. He did catch a touchdown, and we talked about that during the broadcast. I said the Titans should get him involved if they want to get anything from him in the playoff game, like the entire season. Ghost doesn't scare you anymore. Total ghost. And he was as frightening as it gets at that position. All right, Johnny, thanks a lot. You got a mark. Thank you. All right, tomorrow, another show as we edge closer to training camp, which starts Friday morning. And Nick Casario is going to join us live at 8 a.m. on these airwaves to kick off Texans training camp live. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's do it. Thanks a lot to Austin for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.